Hello, all you amazing ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome or welcome back to Raw with Ollie McNichol, where I sit down with elite athletes, thinkers, innovators, and world-class performers from all walks of life and chat about how they're indeed no different to you and I, in that we are all thinking, feeling, reacting, and decision-making human beings, thus making everything they do that much more incredible. I have to say, this episode was among the smoothest and most light-hearted ones so far, leaving no stone unturned or any question unasked. So without further ado, this is the magnificent powerhouse of a human being, Brianna Bowley, and this is The Raw Podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you for putting the time aside and um, having so much patience with the setup and everything. Oh, good. I really appreciate it. I'm like um, not the most tech savvy person ever. So, um, yeah, I, I get it. I get the struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I guess we'll get, get into it. Um, so you, obviously, I've I've been looking at your stuff for a little while now and you have what, seven plus years of experience within PT, like the sporting industry, you've done massage, um, rehab and stuff for, for like footy teams and all that. Um, but for those who don't know kind of where it all began, can we kind of go back to the beginning? Absolutely. Because um, I, I, I would love to hear where it all started for you as well. Sure. So, um, God, where do, I, where do I start? I guess I was... So going way back to when I was, I don't know, say 18 or so, I was working in a job which um, made money, but I, I just wasn't loving it. It was, I, I'm a real freedom seeker. So I hated how much um, I felt like I was always happy to answer to someone. I felt like I couldn't really live life on my terms. Um, and yeah, like I just used to really like dread going to work. Um, so yeah, started PT was kind of, uh, I was finding myself getting more and more into like training and just general like, um, you know, well-being sort of based stuff. Um, had absolutely no interest in kind of going down that path. But then more and more people started, because I was, I was basically posting online just about my own journey. And I had more and more people start saying to me, like, you should make a career out of this. Like, you know, I learned so much of, of you know, from you, just from what you post, you, you might as well make money from it. And I sort of had this fear of turning something that I loved into a career purely because I, I was concerned that it would actually take away the passion for it. And so I really resisted that for a good maybe 12 months or so. And then funnily enough, um, I, I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I can't keep working in this job that I don't love. Like something's got to change. So at the very worst case scenario, I will pursue, you know, turning this hobby of fitness into uh into a into a job and if I come to hate it well then I'll just you know nothing ventured nothing gained like I'm no further from figuring it out than I am you know that I was in that in that um current moment and so yeah I, I signed up did my PT certs and then basically it timed perfectly just as I got certified um my job actually got made redundant so that kind of, you know, like threw me into the deep end of like, shit, I need to figure out this. And by the way, I hope I can swear. I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> it threw me into this. Oh, cool, cool. Um, I have a bit of a mouth like, like a sailor. So, yeah. Um, 
that threw me into basically having to figure out like how to, um, you know, run my own business and make this financially viable. And so, yeah, from working as a PT, I found my love of fitness modeling, um, you know, got into that. Um, on the side was doing a bit of massage therapy work, um, you know, de dealing with a lot of like really high level athletes and, and people in that general industry. Um, and started to realize how much like it was essentially the mindset side that so many um, athletes and, and even people who were just, you know, striving for more of like your general weight loss or general fitness kind of goals. It was this that had people, um, it, it was what separated the people who did achieve what they were looking to achieve from the people who didn't. And so, yeah, that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of um, coming to understand mindset and more of like the um, mental side of performance. And yeah, it's, it, it's kind of just been a slow unraveling journey from there. Mm, awesome. So now you're, um, you're kind of training and coaching like world-class people at the world-class level um, of all sort of walks of life. Um, I've always kind of, I've always kind of believed that to coach people at that sort of level, you must have had your, your own sort of big tests in life and things that have kind of come your way to, to then be able to, yeah, bring that knowledge onto people who are performing at such a high level. So what were, the, what were kind of the first, I guess, tests that um, came your way that, that you hold on to at heart and you, you can use with so much power to your, to your clients now? Whenever I get asked that question, I really struggle to answer it, not because I haven't been through tests, but because I, I this sounds awful, but my whole life has really been a test for me, you know, like I, I don't think I've had it easy in any shape or form. And I'm grateful for that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm insanely grateful for that because it has set me up to be able to do what I do with such, you know, high level individuals. Um, I guess the key things for me was, you know, growing up, like the general theme of my life has been not having a voice and not feeling like it was okay to be who I am. And I think in terms of, you know, the people that I work with, athletes, entertainers, entrepreneurs, the recurring theme is that they don't quite fit the box of what society tells us we need to be. And so, you know, like that was, that was a deep wounding for me growing up. And it's still something that I'm doing a lot of healing work through and, you know, continuously like uncovering new levels of that um, or new layers rather. But yeah, I, I, th I think more than anything, it's really about that self-expression because, you know, on a deep level, when we really dig into why athletes do what they do, why entrepreneurs do what they do, why, um, entertainers and artists do what they do it's because you know they essentially want to be seen they want to be able to share their message and share their medicine with the world um, and you know essentially be able to, to to do it in a sense where it's like it's viable you know it's financially viable um, it's energetically viable you know because we're told we need to fit this box and you know go to uni do the nine to five um, find, find a partner, have kids, get married, you know, wife, pick a fence, all of that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's the only way. So that's what I'm really here mm. to, uh, to show, you know, being coming through that myself, you know, not wanting to fit the mold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, so you, you've, you've mentioned in a couple of your videos through the Facebook group, which is 
unbelievably free to literally everyone. Um, and which is the, the builder champion, uh, mindset, Facebook group. And you do those, those videos undefeated. Um, and what I kind of took away from that, you said something that stuck. It was, um, meet who you are in that process of becoming that, that world-class performer. Um, and I think that's so relevant and, and so true, but do you believe that anyone anyone can become a world-class performer or athlete? I believe we all are. Uh, I'm going to separate those two things. I believe we're all world-class in our zone of genius. And the only reason why we ever believe that we're not world-class is because we haven't yet figured out the unique thing that makes us perfect for what we're here to do. And I also believe that we're all athletes, you know, whether whether we struggle with our health and fitness or, or not, we are all athletes. We all need to um, learn how to like perform at a level that an athlete would, you know, how to nourish ourselves, how to recover, how to think like an athlete, how to, you know, show up in day-to-day -day life as an athlete. So yeah, I wholeheartedly believe that whether we connect with it or not on a conscious level, we're all world-class and we're all athletes. Mm. So can you tell me about a time when you, Kind of met yourself during that process is there a time that stands out where you where you really did just just meet yourself and come face to face with that person and you were kind of like wow okay so this is who i am and this is where i'm going yeah is there a standout moment oh there's lots in my life i i feel like um i feel like i've lived millions of different lives you know lifetimes in in my one short life um Oh, that's a great question. You've really put me on the spot here. <laughs> I think there was one when I, so um, I believe any great coach has a coach. And so I did some work with, uh, one, with my mentor at an event uh, here in the Gold Coast, uh, November last year. And essentially it was an event uh, completely built around um, figuring out who you are and how you would normally do things and then choosing the complete opposite. So playing the opposite game in a nutshell. And it was the most challenging two weekends of my life where we literally had all of our shit thrown in our face, every unhealed wound, every um, story or perception or association we'd ever created about who we were in relation to the rest of the world. Um, it was all just thrown in their face and we got to make a decision through those two weekends of whether how we'd been showing up was effective or ineffective and if it was effective then it was like cool congratulations keep doing your thing and if it was ineffective well what would it be like to try on something new and to go out and actually just test to see whether the story that we'd created about who we were was actually true or not um and so you know it, it involved some mm. crazy things like going out and um you know there was there was a challenge where we had to earn uh had to um raise a minimum of thirty five thousand dollars over a three-day period uh for a charity of our choice and you know so like naturally bringing in an amount of money like that um in such a short time frame, because we weren't actually allowed to do it um, to work on it during the course time, it had to be outside of that. 
So, you know, it, it stretches you to every single one of your edge. It stretches you to be willing to ask for support from, you know, when you normally wouldn't. And it stretches you to show up in social, on social media in a way that you normally wouldn't. And so um, by the end of the three days, we actually ended up, I think we brought in around $39,000. And so that was like a real moment of like, holy fuck, like, like we are all powerhouses when we, when we pick something and we, we choose it. And, and anything is possible, you know, when we're operating from that space of pure intention. So, yeah, I think that that's yeah. probably a key one for me. Yeah, wow. So what did you find? Because you mentioned you had to kind of figure out how you were living your life at that time and then do the, the exact opposite. What was, what was both the initial way you were living and the opposite to that? Like, what, what did it look like back then? Um... I realized the depth at which I was a people pleaser. Um, I realized the depth at which I was choosing people who weren't choosing themselves. Um, oh, there was a lot. There was a lot that came up back then. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, a lot of it was just around how much I hid parts of myself away because of how I thought other people would receive it. And that in doing so, it was... Um, you know, it was not only like not allowing the people who actually really give a shit about me to really get to know who I am underneath all of the conditioning, but it was also meaning that, um, you know, I, I wasn't choosing myself and in not choosing myself, I wasn't choosing the people who actually like can only get my medicine from me, you know, and that's like, that's really heartbreaking when there's people out there who need what I've got to offer and I'm letting my own ego and the fear of what other people think get in the way of them actually getting what they need from me. Mm, that's huge. So, so what would you say that the opposite was then that you actually had to, that you had to bring out? What, what was the main thing that you had to do differently then? Uh, it was going to all the places I didn't want to go. Right. Yeah. So it's, in those moments when I was stretched, when I was at that point where it was like, that's the one thing I don't want to do. It's going, okay, well, um, you know, that's just, that's just your ego lovingly trying to keep you safe and, and choosing to get out of my own way and allowing whatever's trying to come through me because I believe that um, our message is always trying to speak through us, right? Like everything that we're here to create in this lifetime is trying to come through us. And when we let our ego and all the reasons why we don't want to do something get in the way, we actually block the flow of what we're here to receive. And so, yeah, it was really just going, okay, I don't want to do that. And so the reason why I can't has to be the reason why I must. So, yeah, just going, just going where I didn't want to go. If I didn't want to stand up and speak, then that was exactly the thing I needed to do. If I didn't want to ask, you know, that specific person for support or to have a clearing conversation, then those are the exact things that I needed to do. Yeah, wow. You, you come across very confident now. It's, it's very, you're so vibrant. But obviously, it sounds like that that wasn't always the case, though. Yeah, or, yes and or no. Has it been? Uh, yes and no. I feel like I'm a lot more embodied in my confidence now. Um, it, it's actually right. really funny. I've, I've had this. Yeah, I've I've had this conversation with a number of people from that event who said that. Um, th there's one particular conversation that comes to mind, and this was after the initial three days. Um, this woman came up to me and said to me, you know, I was actually really quite triggered by you. And I said, why is that? And she said, because the amount of times you just stood up and just spoke with such confidence. Um, 
She's like, you know, the whole time I was looking at you going, I want what she has. And it actually really hit me hard because particularly over those initial three days, yes, I did stand up and speak, but every single time I stood up to speak, I was shaking, mm. you know? And it was like, in my head, I was like, oh, like I sound like an idiot or what are these people going to think of me? Or, you know, like I, all I wanted to do was sit down, you know, and just hide away. And so it made me realize that a lot of the time what's going on for us internally is not what other people are experiencing externally. And so, you know, like we create these stories in our head, which like, that's not the truth for everyone, you know, look, looking from the, from the outside looking in. Um, and so, yeah, after having that feedback a number of times over, I started to go, well, hang on, if everyone else is seeing it, why don't I just fucking own it? Like, why don't I just own that? Yes, when I choose to show up, I show up powerfully, even if it doesn't feel powerful for me. Um, and yeah, so again, right, like getting out of my own way and just allowing whatever wants to come through to come through. Yeah, wow. That's huge. You, yeah. You're such a powerhouse now. <laughs> such a powerhouse. Everything, everything that comes out is just so, so powerful and strong. Oh, thank you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm letting that land. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's almost as, almost as if like no one could deter you from, from your way right now. Um, yeah, I, I really admire that. And that's what drew me to you and initially your, your podcast. And that's kind of, I don't know, oh, it must have come up on Lee's sort of feed. And then I was like, wow, like who's, who's this chick? And then I, and then I looked into it and I thought, wow, this, this girl must have been doing this for years and years. But um, it seemed like you were, I guess, in you were in a way kind of fresh to the to that sort of world as well, like of podcasting. But it was just so real and so raw, and obviously that's what I'm all about as well. So it was like this is wicked. It really got <laughs> me pumped up. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, what what made you realize that you could then? Um, take what you've what you've learned and experienced to coaching others and and yeah at that at that world class level how wh what made you realize yeah I can do this as a career um honestly it was that I knew I wouldn't be fulfilled doing anything else you know, like I just had this deep calling, which I tried to deny for a really long time when I was in that transition period from the PT into moving more into the coaching space. I, I kept having it come up that I wanted to coach and I wanted to coach and it just kept, just kept coming up and I kept trying to push it down because I didn't know how to make money from it and I didn't know what it looked like and I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't really have a example of it being possible in my life. And so, mm. yeah, well, after, I think it was probably about six months of it just keep, like, it just kept coming up that this is what I needed to do. And I kept denying it because the PT was making me money and it was comfortable. And it was, you know, um, we had clients, you know, just coming in out of nowhere. So it was like, oh, logically, it makes more sense to stay in what I know rather than, um, you know, move, move into this thing that I had no idea if it was even a financially viable career. And so it wasn't until, um, I, I guess the pain of not being fulfilled got so much that it was like, 
the pain of not going for it was worse than the pain of going for it and it being just a complete failure, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, essentially I, I did it because I couldn't not. Uh, and then from there, I mean, it's been a slow process. It's been seven years of just, you know, slowly pivoting and figuring out what works and what doesn't, and then getting mentors on board to speed up the process. Um, but I, I wouldn't change a thing because, you know, at the end of the day, I can't imagine having spent the last seven years, you know, selling my soul for money in a job that doesn't light me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what, what was your niche within personal training? Was that, um, was that more so just like the weights training, that sort of thing? Or because I know you're, you're into martial arts as well, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So were you training in that as well? No, so the martial arts came after. So I did, um, uh, I did, uh, I competed as a fitness model for a number of years, and then during that time, um, hang on, let me go back to the beginning. So um, initially, I was just working from a as, as a PT from a gym, working predominantly with weight loss clients. And what I noticed was that a lot of my clients, um, you know, particularly the ones who were more on the, you know, like the heavily obese side. Um, kept saying to me, you know, you don't know what it's like. You've never been overweight. You don't know how hard it is to diet. You know, you don't know what it's like to look to 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 be on this journey of you know having a particular identity, losing a whole bunch of weight, and then having to try and navigate being a completely different person in the world. And I kind of sat back and was like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what that's like. And so um, that was part of the what made me dive into the fitness modeling because I knew that in order to get on stage I would need to lose around 15 kilos or thereabouts um and so yeah you know I I committed to to that journey to to not only understand what it was like for my clients but also to um to show them that you know like I was willing to go through everything that I was asking of them because I'm a big believer we can't take anyone where we haven't been ourselves uh, you know, we can't we can't lead clients where we haven't been ourselves first. So it it was a it was a matter of further understanding where they were at, and also showing them like I'm right here walking through the fire with you. And so from the fitness modeling, at the same time, uh, sorry, just after I finished my first prep and got up on stage, I then transitioned into running purely boot camps, and that was more like general fitness focused, um, general fitness, well being, and a little bit of weight loss. Um, and during that time, I was I was prepping for my second comp, and I remember having a whole bunch of my clients come to me who um, were saying to me, you know, like you're my you're my dream body, like you've got my dream body. I want to look like you. I want to be as fit as you. You know, like everything I'm doing, I'm striving striving to be just like you. And I remember sitting back because at the time, the diet was really restrictive. And I remember witnessing clients come in with, you know, like their prepped meals and they were, they were, you know, basically copying everything I ate and and copying everything I did. And I went, hold on, this is a bit fucked because I'm watching them go out for dinner and drinks with their friends and I'm envious of them. Meanwhile, they're envious of me and I'm watching them train and I, and there was a lack of integrity there, right? Because I was watching them train going like, I don't have the fitness to be able to, um, excuse me, I don't have the fitness available to me to be able to do what I'm asking of them in these boot camps because I'm do- too depleted from the dieting process. Mm. And so all I wanted during during my time that I was prepping was to, to, to basically actually be fit rather than just looking really fit. And so mm. when I got off stage the second time around, that was when I sort of moved into the martial arts side of things because 
I hate running. I get, I, I used to get really bad shin splints. So running wasn't an option. Um, however, martial arts seemed like something that I felt like I could improve my cardio with and, and actually become, um, like uh, a well-rounded fitness rather than just being able to lift a, you know, heavy weights, um, without, without hating the process. So yeah, that yeah. was what that journey looked like. Yeah. And have you commentated on, on certain shows and, um, with martial arts? Yes. Yeah. So I, comp- uh, I commentated, uh, at combat sports promotions in February of this year. Yeah. Wow. And so how long have you went, sorry. Yeah. So how long have you been in martial arts then? Uh, so I, oh. I, I would say the time that I, I dabbled a little bit, but the time when I really like committed to it and, and went all in was 2014. Yeah. Wow. And what, what kind of martial arts have you been mainly focused on? Uh, kickboxing and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu have been the main two. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. How often do you train with, for them? At the moment, not at all. Yeah. Besides some kind of rounds in the in the garage, we just put up a boxing bag in the garage. But um, yeah, other than oh, that, yeah. I've been super slack. Partly because of COVID, partly because I've, I moved to Queensland recently, so I'm still kind of looking for a gym that's um, pulled in my attention. But yeah, 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 I'm definitely missing um, jujitsu within like within the the gyms and stuff. Because um, yeah, I, I started that maybe six months ago so i got right into both jiu-jitsu and and muay thai um but yeah it, it's i don't know when jiu-jitsu is gonna gonna be back because that's such a obviously the probably the most contact you can make with someone um yeah have you heard anything around that at all no i um i was uh i i don't know whether you've heard of tom de Blas. he's a um jiu-jitsu coach quite a high level jiu-jitsu coach over in the u.s and um i saw he had posted something on facebook he's a facebook friend of mine and um he posted something in regards to um because i think most people generally speaking unless they're in the martial arts world they don't actually know what jiu-jitsu is i think like people say to me all the time oh you're going to jiu-jitsu class tonight like as though it's some (laughs) sort of like i don't know i think they think it's striking or something um yeah and so, yeah, he posted something along the lines of, you know, whether or not if the government actually knew and understood what jujitsu was, would they completely just like ban it, you know, with everything going on with COVID. So mm. I have my fingers crossed that that doesn't yeah. happen. But um, yeah, um, no, I haven't heard anything new besides a couple of like Muay Thai gyms and that opening up here and there. Um, yeah. Nothing yet for, for the jujitsu gyms. So mind you, I haven't really been keeping my ear to the ground on it too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been missing it heaps. Um, cause I was only starting to kind of click with it all. Like it was only, I was only getting to that point after months of training where I would start to click a little bit more every session. Um, cause obviously it's something that takes so long to wrap your head around, even like the smallest amount of basics. Such a cool thing though. I, I just fell in love with it. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of them sports. I, I love to hate it and I hate to love it. Like it's a, it's a definite love hate for me purely because it's such a high detailed sport. 
and generally speaking, I don't have a lot of attention to detail. So um, <laughs> it, it triggers the fuck out of me, but that's also why I love it because it's such a growth. Um, it's such a growth catalyst in my world. So yeah, <laughs> it yeah. kicks my ass a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into commentating? That's pretty awesome. Um, I thank the podcast for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, obviously having worked with a lot of, uh, the, the main kind of, um, martial arts gyms in South Australia, I'm, I'm blessed with having quite a good, uh, I guess, network of, of martial art coaches and, and, you know, athletes and whatever else. And, um, yeah, so I guess I sort of, um, well known in that, in that world, but then, yeah, through the podcast, I, I guess I'd spoken to so many different athletes that, um, yeah, I just got approached and, and, um, the, the promoter said to me, you know, you obviously like to talk. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> um, you know, and like, you, you know, the athletes, you know, most of the fight as well. So I feel like you'd, you'd give something to, you know, the commentary team that probably most people can't, you know, and for me, like coming back to what we spoke on earlier, like self-expression um, is so important for me and setting other people up with the platform to be able to express themselves as well. You know, that was really what I wanted to bring to the table with commentary. Cause I think generally speaking, you know, most of the time with commentary, they, they focus purely on, you know, what's the, the action in front of them. And they actually forget that behind the scenes, these athletes are people too, you know, they have a life, they have, you know, um, kids or girlfriends or partners or, you know, um, yeah, they have, they have siblings and, and all of that. Like they have lives outside of just, you know, being, being two athletes, you know, um, throwing down in the ring. So um, I wanted mm. to really like bring that to it and allow the audience to actually feel a little bit more personally connected to, to all the individual athletes. Yeah, that's so good. There needs to be more of that, I reckon. Um, so do you want to do that more of that in the future? Commentating? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, when we look at, uh, like, I've done a lot of study into what, what it is that separates, you know, um, promotions like the UFC from some of your lower level, um, you know, promotions. And, and what it is, is that the UFC actually really, they market their fighters in a way that people feel personally connected to them. And, you know, sadly, like generally speaking, a lot of um, sports, uh, you know, are they're not money-making opportunities. There's not a lot of money circulating. And so I think in order to bridge that gap, we really need to actually start having the audience feel personally connected to, to the athletes so that then, you know, more, more people buy tickets, you know, more people um, just generally get behind, get behind the athletes, you know, sponsors can get behind them more and more um, and slowly yeah. transition it from, from a money where there's absolutely no sport besides the very top end. Um, to something that is more, you know, sustainable across all, all levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, so your podcast, The Live Free Experience, uh, I understand that's something that you have kind of taken a step back from uh, recently. Uh, wh why, what, what's kind of, what's the self-talk behind all of that and are you wanting to go back to it? Um, it was a mixture of things for me. I think when I initially um, when I initially created the podcast, it was with the intention of creating a platform for others to to share more of who they were. Um, and then, you know, as I said at that November event with my mentor, I had that realization that a lot of the time I was 
um, choosing people who weren't choosing themselves, you know? And, and so what I realized was that, you know, I was kind of creating this platform for people and like, this will sound quite bitter, but, but this is what's true for me. Um, it wasn't really, I guess, what's the word? It wasn't really appreciated for, for what it was that I was trying to create, you know? And so I started to go, well, hang on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting so much time and effort and focus and, you know, um, just, yeah, just so much of, of, of me into putting this together at the expense of actually allowing myself to have a voice, you know, because a lot of the time the episodes were so strongly focused on the other person that I was losing, you know, I was losing my platform, you know, I was losing my chance to actually have my voice. And so um, particularly when COVID hit, you know, and there was this big financial um, shakeup for all of us, I kind of, you know, I had to reassess what's actually, first of all, allowing me to grow um, what's actually allowing me to create the most income and most importantly, what's actually allowing me to be of the most service. And mm. so, you know, uh, the podcast for the amount of time and effort that I was putting into it, um, it felt comfortable for me. It no longer felt like it was a huge stretch. Whereas at the time when I created it, it was huge. Like it was, I really had to step into another level of me, but that feeling had kind of gone away. So it was no longer really growing me. It wasn't creating any sort of um, sustainable income. And I also felt like for the time and effort I was putting in that there were other ways that I could be of far more service. So, um, yeah, it was, it was yeah. kind of a mixture of different things. But, yeah, what, I guess wanting to create more space in my life to really go after what felt like was of the most service to both myself and others. Mm, I can certainly relate to that um, in the sense that you kind of you started it um, for reasons that kind of uh, disappeared in a way unintention unintentionally because you wanted to have that self-expression and stuff. And that's what I'm huge on because I, I too feel as though I never really had a voice um, and always struggled to, to, yeah, put my voice out there. Um, so the podcast is all about that. And don't get me wrong, like I absolutely love giving this spotlight to people like yourself and everyone that I have had on nothing provides so much um just fulfillment as that but I can I can certainly see how that would kind of take away from that initial sort of idea and and reason for starting it yeah so so are you going to come back to it with different intentions maybe um I never say never but I think it will be um, it will it it will be later rather than sooner if that is if it is something that I that I do come back to and I think it will be um, yeah a very different flavor from what it has been in the past. Yeah, yeah. You were doing a couple of solo um, podcasts as well, which was really cool. I think that's that's amazing. That's not something that many people can can do or rather do well. Um, uh, I, I would love to do that sort of thing, but I always struggle to come up with that conversation uh, when it's just me. So how did you go about that? Because you said some really cool things when it was just you in front of a camera um, and just, just yeah, speaking. Um, honestly, that, that was one of the things that still felt like a stretch for me. Like I still very much, um, 
or at least at the time, like I still at that point was getting a lot of like, like I'd upload them and then I'd get this big vulnerability hangover of like, oh, you know, and then um, I'd have people come up to me, you know, in public and, you know, like complete strangers come up and say, oh, I heard you say this thing. And, and it was then that I realized like, oh shit, there's people I don't know listening to this, you know, and <laughs> particularly for me, like I don't do anything in halves. So when I do share something, I share all of it, you know, like I leave nothing kind of hidden away. And so, yeah, I kept having these big like vulnerability hangovers. So that was still very much an edge that I was leaning into at the time. I think for me, yeah, I guess it comes down to, again, getting it, getting out of your own way, you know, like I, when I would do those solo episodes, it was really just like, I, I'd sort of sit with myself, like take a moment to really ground and then ask myself, well, what, what do I have to say? And then um, just speak whatever came to mind without judging it, without, you know, kind of, because I, I think what a lot of people do is they fall into this um, habit of not saying something because they assume, and, and, and again, it's the ego, right? They assume that what they have to say, no one gives a shit about or that no one's going to get value from it. And what I've realized over the last seven years is often the things that I'm like, yeah, you know, I nailed that. Like people got so much value from that. People don't even hear. It's actually mm. the stuff that I just say in passing that just rolls, rolls out of my mouth where people are like, oh shit, like, yeah, that was huge. That was life-changing, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think more than anything, it's just going, okay, I just need to trust that whatever needs to be said just comes out and not judging it as valuable or, or, you know, not valuable, but just if it's there, then it, it's, it's because it's going to serve someone. Mm, that's really interesting. That's awesome. So kind of your, your approach to it now, um, whether it was podcasting or literally any sort of content you put out, it's not um, kind of thinking too much of it. And it's also not, not thinking little of it. It's just, of it. It's just kind of just putting it out there and just seeing what comes of it is that is that right absolutely yeah. i um i heard this from a mentor of mine so he talks about how there's four levels of consciousness there's um to you for you through you and as you and so it's about really stepping more into that place of through and as you know so it's 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 rather than you know it's it's again it's that the message and the medicine is coming through us and the degree at which we are able to receive for, for um, yeah, I guess be of service and receive from that medicine and from that message is how much we're willing to get out of the way. And so, yeah, you know, really, um, you know, to come back to those solo episodes, it was going, okay, like I'm just going to trust that there's something trying to come through me right now and I'm not about to sit here and make that right or wrong and, you know, make it, um, you know, yeah, categorize it as valuable or not. I'm just going to trust that, that, that when it's there, it's there. Yeah, right. Not, not categorizing. That's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. And it's something that I feel like everyone kind of has to, they feel as though they have to be in a category at the moment and just, yeah, that's, that's such a good point. Yeah. I, um. I'll tell you a story of a friend of mine, a guy named Travis Barton. He was the second guest ever on my podcast. Um, he put up, and this is when I really realized that the shit that we think is valuable is, is often like when we're trying to um, 
when we're kind of trying to like mold and craft uh, our message to be something of value, we're actually way off the mark. And a lot of the time it's the stuff that we just throw out there. That's the valuable stuff. Like this landed for me because he put up an Instagram story of him and his partner and a few friends playing Monopoly. And it was like 2am. I think that had a bunch of drinks. They were, you know, playing Monopoly. Like people were kind of throwing shade at each other. You know what it's like when everyone's getting really like competitive, you know, with any sort of board game. And he was just like casually, you know, candidly filming like bits and pieces of the, the whole dynamic. And I watched it and it, um, it changed something for me just through watching how much fun they were having and how lighthearted they were that I was like, oh shit, like it made me check myself and realize that I needed to step back into having more fun in life. And I have watched mm. Travis roll out all of this super valuable content. But to this day, and I think that was about, you know, three years ago or something that I, that I saw that. But to this day, out of everything that he's rolled out, it was that one video of him and his partner and their friends playing drunken 2am Monopoly that really hit hard for me. And I, I actually messaged him and said, look, I just wanted to give you some feedback. Like watching that was huge. And he was like, my inbox is getting blown up by people of the same opinion, you know? And so, yeah, that made me go shit. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm not posting because it's not valuable. And yet if I just get the fuck out of my way and like stop letting my, you know, my ego run the, run the show, then I can be of service to, you know, an ever greater extent. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, I actually had one of those sort of realizations just yesterday. Um, I'm not one to post a whole lot of those sort of just random spur of the moment things on Instagram. Um, even though that's the kind of stuff that I see and I'm like, huh, that's awesome. That's wicked. Um, but yeah, just randomly, it was the stupidest thing. But I took a photo of, um, I went to the shop and bought a couple of avocados, you know. Oh, you that do. cracked me up. <laughs> I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> and, and I don't know why, but so yeah, I, I put them, I got in the car and I thought, I have two cup holders here. They're the perfect place for avocados to be right now. So they're not rolling around in the car. And so I just took a photo and I said, I'm so glad I have a car that finally has avocado holders. Um, and the response that that got was, unbelievable i had like 20 people react like re reply to that um people that i didn't even know followed me or, or looked at my stuff or anything even remotely and i got that sense of i need to do more of this i need to be more playful and just muck around and have some fun um instead of trying to yeah overanalyze and 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 think so much about what i'm doing and what i'm saying um because I know I'm a, I'm a light-hearted light person. I'm not going to accidentally put something out there that hurts people. So just, I just got to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here's a fun fact for you. So, cause I saw that story and I actually, <laughs> um, me and my roommates were sitting watching uh, a London real interview last night. And I actually like, we paused it so that I could show them and we all had a laugh. Oh my about gosh. It. So, so there you go. <laughs> um, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I think sadly, the self-development world, because so many people who are in these um, careers are so focused on like the serious stuff, you know, like the, like get, get the thing done and do the work and, you know, like um, build the self-awareness and grow and all of that. They get so caught up in it. 
that they actually forget that the whole point of the self-development is to live a fucking wicked life, right? And to be really connected with who you are. And so like in getting caught up in all that seriousness, we, we, we lose the fun, you know? And I think that's also one of the aspects of the self-development world that actually repels the people who need the work the most because from the outside looking in, it's this super serious world. And the truth of it is that like every person that I've met that, I, that has done a lot of work on themselves are the most fun ever, you know? And um, mm. so, yeah, I think, I think we need more of that. Yeah. So for someone like myself or anyone who has those sort of, they've, they've put on those, those limitations to just have fun. Do you have, what, what sort of reminders do you, would you kind of say you could put in place to, to make you, yeah, kind of step back and be like, okay, chill out and just, yeah, I, if I want to post something like that, just do it. Like what, do you have any sort of reminders that keep you, keep you in check when it comes to that? Yeah, um, I have two quotes and I feel, I feel one's probably more, slightly more relevant, but the first is, uh, and I'm going to put, butcher this off the top of my head. So it's uh, soft, uh, strong back, soft front, wild heart, right? And like, mm. it's that wild heart that reminds me like, yeah, like you, we, we get to play. We're animals first, right? Like, yes, we are. We do have, you know, um, an executive center, which means that we think, you know, we think about what we, we have the ability to think about what we're thinking about in a way that animals don't, but we're also still animals, right? And so we, we get to be wild and free. Um, and then the other one, which is the one that I feel is more relevant and it is literally just left my brain. That's right. We'll come back to it. It's just yeah. left my brain. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll come back to it. Okay. Speaking of quotes though, um, another one that, oh, that you i've got it i've yeah, got it it's got just popped back it. up so yeah. we are we are children first and and i'm gonna completely fucking butcher this so bear with me but it's essentially the, <laughs> the nutshell <laughs> is we are children first right and so it's not about surrendering it's about mastering it mm. you know because so many people are as, as soon as we hit adulthood we just forget we just forget that we're kids first right? Rather mm. than going, okay, like this is a skill I get to master and take with me into being mm. an adult. So yeah, yeah. That, that one's a big one for me. You know, I've been really conscious the last couple of weeks of having more fun because I've fallen into the, the hole of grinding, you know, and, and I'm doing the thing and getting it done and being really masculine in my energy. So yeah, mm. I've, been, I've been choosing to, um, to master more of, more of being a child, uh, getting yeah, out of bike right. rides and all of that good stuff. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah, never lose your dinosaur. Thanks, stepbrothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as I was saying, another quote that, um, that you've said a few times is how you do anything is how you do everything. Um, and so that's also another wicked one. Like if you can, if you can have fun every now and then, um, the more and more you do that, the more fun that you're going to bring to literally anything you do in life. Um, so yeah, when, when you realized that and that quote really stuck, um, what was that, again, that, that sort of self-talk around that quote, what was going on in your head, um, when you thought, yeah, about the way that you were doing everything and, or anything and how that translated to everything else you did? Um, that's a tough one to answer. There's so many elements to it. Um, 
I think, I think what really lands for me with that quote is just how much like the small creates the big, you know, like mm. I think a lot of the time we step over the important stuff because we deem it as unimportant. Um, and it's when we, uh, when we really take like a conscious inventory of how we're showing up in all areas of life down to like how you brush your teeth in the morning, you know, like then just through a simple act, something as simple as that, you, you can literally transform your entire life, you know, because it could be as simple as, and, and this is the game changer, right? Because I think people think that growth has to be this huge, like, or transformation has to be this huge where like everything changes and we do this, you know, huge, um, overwhelming act in order to create something different for ourselves. But it's like I said, the small creates the big. So it can be as simple as, you know, um, if you're the person who usually sits at the back of the room, then sit at the front. Or if mm. you're the person who, you know, usually brushes their teeth with their left hand, brush your teeth with your right. Or, you know, yeah. if you're if you're usually that person who goes grocery shopping wearing, you know, um, tracky dacks with burnt, you know, cigarette holes in them and, and, a, and a hoodie and a beanie, you know, all covered up, then try dress, dressing up and going out grocery shopping. You yeah. know, because when you shift that one tiny behaviour, you know, the, the, the macro universe is, is just a, um, a magnification of the micro universe, right? So when we shift mm. small, it ripples out to everything else. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just choosing to like, to, to uh, shift, you know, it's a 1% difference that makes all the difference. Yeah, kind of goes back to those fears around doing what you're not usually doing. So doing the complete opposite, as you were saying, um, earlier this year, doing the absolute opposite. Yeah, if you go to the shop wearing trackies and a and a beanie and you know slides and socks, yeah, wear something nice, that sort of thing. Exactly. That's, yeah. Exactly. You know, and because like I'm a big believer that all we all have infinite potential available to us. It's just that what happens is we categorize ourselves as like you know, like like for me, I've I've known myself my whole life up until, you know, I started having these realizations, I knew myself as the strong one and I knew myself as the person who didn't cry. And I knew myself as the person who, you know, um, um, got along with people, but never really fit in somewhere, you know, and I, and I had all of these like associations and perceptions of who I was. And so of course, like whatever we, we think about, we bring about, right. So it was because I had that story of who I was in relation to the world that of course that became my reality. Mm. Whereas when I started to choose, okay, well, if I'm that person who, you know, usually goes to the shops and avoids eye contact with people or whatever, then let's go play the opposite game. Let's make it fun and let's actually go out and like see what happens when I, you know, just with a simple grocery shop intentionally make eye contact with a few people and see what that opens up. Mm. And then through that, you know, you start to witness yourself as someone different from who you've previously been because if we always do what we've always done, we always get what we've always got. And if we want to experience something new, we have to do something new. You know, we have to think something new. And so, um, yeah, you know, it, it's just trying something else on. Yeah. <laughs> you are the, um, you have so many quotes. You've got a bag of quotes. <laughs> and they're, they're wicked. I absolutely love it. Um, a bit off track here, but I wanted to go back to one of your, um, something you said in another one of your um, undefeated episodes on your Facebook group. Um, 
you you mentioned how to become a world class performer um, in any field, there comes a point where you have to actually ask for what you want. Um, and I kind of wanted to hear your take on that a little bit more, um, and also a time in your life where you had to ask for something that you that you wanted and how that kind of turned out. Yeah. Okay. Um... I think everyone is is too afraid to actually ask for what they want, right? They're too afraid to ask for support. And the thing is, most people want to help, you know, if they can help, if they have it within within their capabilities to help, most people will, you know? And, mm. um, you know, I, I know for me, like I, I sort of took on this lone wolf mentality, you know, particularly like as a kid, I was pretty severely bullied. I was the one that never really quite fit in. So, you know, I, I, had, I had this story come up of like, if, if you want something done, you've got to do it yourself. And um, completely just boxed myself in. And, and like, that's, that's playing the slow game, right? Um, whereas when we, when we have the courage to go out and ask for support and ask for what we actually want, not only does it um, clear some of the murkiness in our, in our relationship dynamics, because people can come to understand exactly what it is we're going after, but it also, it, it speeds up the process because we're no longer, you know, trying to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. We, we all get to share the load, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it, it's really just having the courage to ask and understanding that if someone says no, um, you know, it's, it's, I think for a lot of people, and I know for me in the past, it's been this fear of rejection. And when I came to realize that when someone says no, they're not actually rejecting you, they're just rejecting your request. You know, like it's actually nothing personal. That was mm. a game changer, you know, because like for me, re reaching out, I reached out to some really, really high level um, guests for the podcast. And even now with my coaching business, I reach out to some, you know, really like high level individuals offering them my services. And if I took it personally, every single time someone said no to any of those things, like I would be a shell of a person, you know, I'd be so caught up in like, oh my God, I'm a failure. Versus just understanding that um, a no is, is just a no to the request. And it, and it might not be a forever no. It's just a no for right now. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I, I smirked before when you asked the question because um, I, I think at the end of your question, there was a time, when, uh, a time in my life when I've had to um, ask for something that I wanted. And it took me back to um, something that, that a coach of mine um, had me do which was um, to uh, convince a complete stranger to buy me something uh, worth over $10. And I wasn't allowed to explain to them that it was something that my coach had had me do. I wasn't allowed to sort of give any backstory. I just had to basically ask, say thank you, and then like, let that be that. And the task wasn't complete until this, until, I got a yes, basically. So for every no, I had to just keep going on and finding the next person. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, for me, I, um, I decided that I was going to get lunch purchased for me that day. And um, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was, you know, walking around kind of like, who am I going to pick? And then something just told me, you know, and, and again, I'm a big believer, like we know what to do. We just need to get out of our own way. We know, we know where we're going to get the results we're looking for. And, Something just kept telling me to go to this one cafe. Um, so this was up in Brisbane. And um, 
So I went down there and it was so funny because I'm like, okay, I'm going to, the, the place was packed. So I'm like, I'm going to ask one of these people to buy me lunch. And um, I was sort of, I was so nervous. So I've grabbed the, the menu and I'm sort of looking through the menu and half kind of pretending to busy myself while I kind of got the courage up to do it. And then I figured out what I wanted from the menu. And, and, and again, this was a huge thing of how you do anything is how you do everything. Because in that moment, I knew what I wanted on the menu, but it was, it was something more expensive on the menu. And so I went, well, I could either do what's comfortable and ask for what I don't really want, but ask for it simply because of my people pleaser, not wanting to ask for something bigger from someone, or I could just have the guts to fucking straight out ask for what I want. And so anyway, I've picked out what I want, decided that that's what I'm going to ask for, lifted my head up and literally in the moment, in that moment of me reading the menu, the whole place had cleared out. So I was like, fuck, like I really thought this, this was the place. So I'm looking around and then the chick behind the bar was like, can I help you? And I'm like, yes, you can help me. So I've said, oh, you know, this is what I want. I made my order. And she was like, you know, okay, so that's this much. And I said, um, can, can I ask a favor? And she's like, sure. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, would you mind buying my lunch for me? And before that, I had all these stories running that she's going to question me on it. She's going to think I'm dodgy. She's going to be offended. You know, she's going to think I'm a scab. All of this. And she goes, yeah, sure. And gets her phone out of her back pocket and then just, you know, swipes. You know how people have the, their cards set up on their phone now. Swipes yeah, yeah. against PayWave. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, take a seat. It'll be out for you in 10 minutes. And I was like, I sat down and was like, holy fuck. All this time, all it took was having the guts to ask for what I really wanted. And it was that simple. No explaining needed, no feeling guilty, none of it, you know. And um, that was huge. So, yeah. That is that, so cool. That one changed one of a your, lot for me. Yeah. Did you have the rule in place um, where you couldn't explain why you were asking for it as well? No. Like you just had to do it? Because um, I don't know if you've heard... Um, I'm sure you know Tim Ferriss. Yes, yep. Yeah. So he, he does a thing um, where he, uh, w- any coffee he gets from a coffee shop, he says, do you mind giving me 10% off of that? For, for no reason at all other than just doing what, what is so uncomfortable naturally. Um, but yeah, he, he, he makes a point of how he can't explain like that he's that he's doing this he's testing himself in that way he just has to ask for it that's so cool that you've done that though that is really cool it was a game changer like insanely uncomfortable but such a game changer yeah have you done it since uh i've done it not quite something as direct as that but i've I've definitely like i i have to do it daily now with my business so um yeah yeah yeah, it's, you know, it's one of them things. Like, again, how we do anything is how we do everything. So having the courage to do that creates the ripple effect into everything else. Yeah, that's a real challenge. I'm, I'm going to have to, yeah, build up the courage and do something like that. That's, <laughs> that'd be a breakthrough. Yeah, well, I mean, there was people at that event who were, like, coming back with, like, $60, you know, shirts and jumpers and all sorts, like uh, tubs of protein and pre-workout and all sorts of stuff that people had just, you know, gifted to them because that had the guts to go into a shop and say, hey, can I have this for free? You know? Wow. 
yeah, we, we, we never know what's possible when we just have the courage to actually ask. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then you kind of think about it and it's like, if you were that cashier or that person behind the bar, you kind of would be more than happy to just do that for someone. I, I would imagine being in that position, um, like previously working in retail, and if someone asked something like that, I mean, I'd, you'd think about it, but then it would be like, yeah, yeah, I got you, man. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, uh, when I was um, 17, my, my best friend used to, um, she was a bit of a um, wild at heart. And um, she would literally just all the time, like we'd go get KFC and she'd be like, can I have staff discount? And they'd be like, oh, sure. Where do you work? Do you have your staff card on you? She's like, no. <laughs> they'd be like okay like nine <laughs> times out of ten you know and I remember we went to um uh, a monster truck derby and I think it was um children under 14 get in free you know and we were like we definitely didn't look under 14 and she was like oh can we have the the children's concession and the guy's like oh um how old are you and she's like 17 and the guy's like okay <laughs> you know and I don't know when, wow. whether that whether that be because we're female um, or whether that be, you know, <laughs> I, I hate, I hate to say that that's a reason, but you know, it's sometimes the truth of it, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the amount of discount and free stuff we got just because she had the guts to ask was like insane. Mm. <laughs> that's so cool. So all of these kind of things, these kind of, um, icebreaker, um, situations, do you, um, do you put that onto your, your clients and kind of see if they're willing to go go there as well in what you do yeah absolutely it doesn't always look the same but you know we we certainly yeah. sort of uh aim to stretch the edges i mean i've had clients do everything from uh you know um sing publicly sing to you know um get on social media and tell the world about their dreams like all sorts because um yeah it's it's the cave we the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So it's it's wherever we're not willing to go mm. that's actually where we're gonna get what we need. So yeah. Yeah. That's wicked. I love it. Man, this has been so much fun. Where are we at now? An hour and a bit. Wicked. I mean we could probably I have so many questions, but you kind of answer everything one way or another, like within within the one question. It's amazing. Um, but I've, I've had so much fun. Um, just another quick, quick sort of question. Um, if there was one thing that, uh, that people needed in order to, um, to become a world-class performer or rather to initiate becoming a world-class performer, what would that be? So not so much becoming that world-class performer, but that initiation of that journey. What do people need to have or to realize? Uh, just be more of who you are. Yeah. That's it, you know. Um, I think we get so caught up in who we should be or who we have to be. Um, and, you know, I mean, there, there's, there's so much scientific backing to, to um, you know, back up why trying to be anything other than who you are doesn't work. Um, but, you know, when... When you're operating from a place of love to rather than have to or should, everything changes and we become 
infinitely capable of whatever we set our mind to when we're just being who we are, you know? And I, I'm a big believer that um, people sense on some level, whether consciously or unconsciously, when someone's not being true to themselves. And so, you know, when, when we're trying to be something that we're not, we're fighting a losing battle because people people have inbuilt bullshit radars, you know? People know when it's, when, um, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not playing the game true to how you want to play the game um, versus, you know, when someone is, is just wholeheartedly, unapologetically themselves. Like, people vibe with that shit. Mm. And so, um, you know, we, we, we get to... We get to, you know, have the, the income that we want. We get to create the service that we want. We get to live the life that we want. And so it actually just doesn't make sense to me why anyone would be anything other than what they are because there's no win, you know, besides the safety of, you know, maybe having people uh, like you more because you're a people pleaser. Um, but at the end of the day, you still, you know, lay your head on, on the pillow, not entirely liking who you are because you're not being true to yourself. So, you know. Um, mm. there's no win to, to playing something other than who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So good. Um, so what, what's kind of happening right now in your world then? What's going on right now? Ooh, a lot. It's been, um, the world's in it. I mean, you would have noticed the world's in an interesting place at the moment. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think with that, um, I think we're going through a collective healing and I know I'm certainly going, going through an individual healing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, really for me, what I've been experiencing these last, maybe in particular the last two months is like this feeling of all my stuff coming up, all the stuff that I thought that I'd moved through coming up for, you know, that next level, that, that the next layer of um, awareness and processing. Um, yeah. And with that, it's, it's hard. Like it's, it's tough, you know, having all of those wounds and stuff like thrown back in your face. And also, you know, we, we take the good with the bad and, uh, knowing that the more we can be a container for, for all of the shit, the more we can be a container to receive more of, you know, all the stuff we do want to bring in. So, um, yeah, mm. it's been a shit show, but it's also been the, the most incredible three months of my life. So, um, mm. Yeah, lots going on. Lots of uh, lots of like you know having to juggle many different balls at the moment, but um, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, that's cool. I can, I can definitely relate to that. It's it's been a crazy few months for everyone, um, and I'm sure that a lot of people kind of struggle to uh, be truthful about that when it's like personal because of everything else that's going on people might find it hard to kind of just, just speak out and say that they're, they're struggling with something uh, within themselves um, with the fear of people being like, there's all this shit going on in the, in the world. Like, why do you feel like you can have that, um, that you can feel that way? But everything is relative. Like, like, yeah, there's some horrible things going on, but in no way does that mean that you can't have your own sort of, your own issues and your own um flaws and and things to work on so that that's a really good thing to to um put out there that yeah we're, we're all going through it one way or another yeah definitely i think we fall into this um scarcity mentality of this or that and the truth mm. of it is we, we we get to choose this and that you know like we can have we can have shit going on in the world and you know everything being a mess and 
we get to still, you know, be experiencing the struggle of what it is to, to be an individual, you know, and we yeah. can experience all the, you know, the shitstorm of, of moving through our own struggle and also experience, you know, the, the joys and pleasures of, of being a human, you know? So it's, it's, it's yeah. this and that, never this or that. And the more we can remind ourselves of that, um, you know, the, the more we get to, we get to choose and the more we get to experience. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's wicked. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, I've had so much fun as well. Truly, this has been probably like the most um, light, light-hearted sort of uh, podcast and conversation so far. And I think it's exactly what I needed and hopefully what a lot of people, a lot of other people needed right now as well. Um, so yeah, where, where can people come to see more of what you're doing themselves and, and find you and interact with you? Sure. So I do all of my, uh, all my marketing and um, uh, content, etc. on uh, just on social media. So both Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and LinkedIn, um, just Brianna Bowley. So B-R-I-A-N-A-B-O-W-L-E-Y. Mm-hmm. Brianna Bowley, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to put out there to the world right now then? Um, just be more of who you are. That's it. Choose yeah. yourself. Be more of who you are. Yeah. Wicked. And can we finish with your, um, your slogan that you end your, your, your videos and podcasts with? Please. It's all yours. Go for it. <laughs> and until next time, what else is possible? I love it. All right. Sweet. We'll leave it there. But um, yeah, thank you so much to you, to everyone else who's still kind of keeping, keeping on board with, with what I have going on. It has been quite... Um, uh, it's been very delayed this one and it's it's been slow but as I said we're all in it we're all kind of going through our shit right now and um, I'm just so glad that that I could have this opportunity to chat with you because since you don't have your podcast going anymore but you have so much to say um, I want it to reach as many people as it possibly can so thank you thank you keep fighting the good fight yeah absolutely thank you so much all right we'll finish it there Guys and girls, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I hope everyone's keeping healthy and positive and safe during these times and giving and receiving the love and respect that all living beings deserve. I understand that times are tough and the fact that anyone is putting the time aside to listen to these still, it means an infinite amount. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed. I'll see you next time. This is The Raw Podcast.